0: If uh, those who are able will please stand for the reading of our scripture this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 40. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. To your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. If you've ever seen a baby dedication at church, then it's probably easy for you to imagine. Simeon, an old man, taking Jesus, a tiny baby, into his arms, lifting his gaze to heaven, ...praising God, completely unconcerned with who sees or hears him... ...his weathered hands caressing Jesus' tender newborn head... ...turning and touching Joseph's shoulder... ...gazing into Mary's eyes, blessing them... ...filling their ears and their hearts with profound words about their son... And Anna, eager to see Jesus' face, peeking over Simeon's shoulder, loudly praising God and telling the crowd about this baby. Come to redeem the people. Luke makes doubly sure that we catch how faithful Simeon and Anna are, adding details to show that these two have fully devoted their lives to God. Simeon is righteous and devout, full of the Holy Spirit, and looking forward to the consolation of Israel. Anna is a widow nearly a lifetime, never leaving the temple, worshiping there with fasting and prayer, night and day. They have each committed themselves fully to watching and waiting for God to act. Simeon and Anna are model disciples. Long before Jesus spoke the words, come and follow me. And they are obedient to God, spiritually disciplined, full of the Holy Spirit. They are so completely in tune with their calling and purpose that when a poor newlywed couple come to this 35-acre temple complex with their six-week-old baby boy, Simeon and Anna recognize Jesus for who he is. Jesus is here. Anna and Simeon recognize him. We are so familiar with the images and characters in the Christmas story. Even very young children can spot images of baby Jesus, the shepherds, the angels, and identify them. If we drive two blocks from the church in either direction this time of year, we can find more than one nativity scene in a store window or in a person's yard. Those plastic light-up yard art nativity figures that have been so nicely molded and painted and glossed over. It is easy for us to lose touch with the significance Of the way Jesus came into the world. And the significance of the faithful people who were able to receive him. When I started seminary, I took a church history class my first semester. It was nearly the end of me. But here I am. On the board one night, our professor drew a square... And he wrote the words human and divine on the edges of the square. And then he asked us a series of questions and got us thinking about Jesus being both human and divine. And then he eventually drew another shape inside the square... ...and explained that over the course of church history, the consensus has generally been that... Jesus was both human and divine, of both substances, as we sometimes hear. Falling somewhere in the middle of that square. And there have been, of course, those who see Jesus as more divine than human, like the Gnostics, for example. And then vice versa, those who see Jesus as more human than divine, But generally, Christian tradition has made peace with this mysterious interplay between humanity and divinity within Jesus. That night, the professor pushed us to think about the significance of Jesus' humanity. And he explained that the heavy focus of the early church was on proving... ...Jesus' divinity. To prove among those who had known Jesus... ...or knew of Jesus... ...that he was also of divine substance. That's why Matthew's gospel, for example... ...goes to such great effort to explain... ...and justify how and why... ...Jesus is truly the Son of God. And so... My professor said. If the great challenge for the early church was to establish Jesus' divinity, then the great challenge of our age is to establish within ourselves an understanding of Jesus as human. This idea really challenges the way we approach this time of year. Because it's easy for us to sort of gloss over the first two chapters in Luke's gospel without really stopping to think about the dynamics of what's going on. Jesus was a baby, a helpless, needy, vulnerable newborn. And he was not born in the newly remodeled wing of a state of the art birth center with hardwood finished floors and 20 by 20 rooms with plush furniture and a four piece ensuite. Jesus was born into an insignificant family of meager means at a time when life was fraught with uncertainty and brutality. So when we look at Jesus through this lens and when we take seriously our Christian tradition that Jesus was also of human substance, we just have to stop and scratch our heads for a minute. A baby of such humble origins became an influential teacher and prophet and healer and is living through us today. And what's unique about Luke's gospel is how Jesus is able to grow into a man who touches and changes the lives of God's people, well beyond his earthly ministry. Luke takes great care to point out who makes it possible for Jesus to fulfill his calling The Gospel of Luke makes very clear that though Jesus came from an insignificant, poor family, they were a faithful family. Mary and Joseph were obedient to God's spirit and to Mosaic law. When Mary hears the news that she's unexpectedly pregnant, she responds with a song of praise. The couple who struggled to make it to Bethlehem for the census Bears the physical and financial toll of traveling yet again to Jerusalem with a newborn to fulfill the Mosaic law of purification and dedication. Mary and Joseph are poor, and they are also, according to Luke's gospel, the foundation upon which Jesus' faith and ministry will be built. Luke's Gospel gives this special importance to the people who recognize the significance of Jesus around the time of his birth. In a way that's different from all of the other Gospels. These people were Mary and Joseph, Anna and Simeon. Jesus, according to Luke's Gospel, becomes the Savior of the world through this spiritual obedience... Of those who are aware enough to recognize him. Long before anyone else saw anything significant about Jesus. Yesterday I was in Lowe's looking through after Christmas deals. And I had a very brief conversation with a store employee... He came up and he was just kind of standing next to me working and didn't look at me. And he said, it's hard to believe it's over, talking about Christmas. It just sort of came and went, kind of anticlimactic, you know. I found his words to be kind of sad, but... True about the way our culture at large relates to Christmas. Another round of parties and presents and food and frenzy, and to what end? I think this time of year in particular, meaninglessness and purposelessness press in around people. And the holidays do truly come and go without consequence for many people. Lurking in the shadows of our 21st century prosperous and productive culture are pervasive emptiness and poverty of spirit. I recently came across this book by Dr. James Martin out of Oxford University. And before he died in 2013, he devoted all of his professional life to the field of technology and its impact on the future. And he published this book in 2007 called The Meaning of the 21st Century, A Vital Blueprint for Ensuring Our Future. He outlines what he sees as the great challenges of the 21st century And his list includes things that we're hearing about a lot these days. Saving the planet, confronting poverty, dealing with terrorism. Last on his list is a need to bridge the skills and wisdom gap. Here's what he has to say about that. A serious problem right now is the gap between our skill and our wisdom. Science and technology are accelerating furiously, but wisdom is not. Today, deep reflection about our future circumstances is eclipsed by the rush to build faster, cheaper, smarter, more efficient gadgets that will increase corporate profits. The skill-wisdom gap is enlarged because skills are what offer the ways to get wealthy. Society's best brains are saturated with immediate issues that become ever more complex rather than reflecting on why we are doing this and what the long-term consequences will be. Luke's Gospel offers the example of Simeon and Anna. Model disciples, obedient to God, spiritually disciplined, full of the Holy Spirit. And so completely in tune with what God is up to, that when Jesus shows up, they recognize him for who he is. Imagine the years of focused spiritual reflection on God's purposes... And God's way it took for them to be ready to recognize Jesus. It's through this spiritual devotion of Anna and Simeon and Mary and Joseph that Jesus becomes, grows into the Savior of the world. God is acting through others. Today, we have the opportunity to jump into discipleship with both feet. To decide that this season will not come and go without consequence. And Anna and Simeon have set the tone for us. Showing us how to put on our Jesus goggles and look around. For where Jesus is, and ask humbly how we are to join in to his work of salvation and redemption. This is a season in the church year when we proclaim that Jesus is here, a season of the year when we can follow Jesus with new hope and new energy. Over the last little while, as I have thought and prayed about where Jesus is, where the presence of Christ is calling for love in action... Matthew 25 keeps coming to my mind again and again. In Matthew 25, Jesus is digging a little deeper into the true meaning of the greatest commandment. Love God and love your neighbor with all that you have. He says that in the end, God will say to the faithful, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Jesus is here. May God give us the eyes to recognize him.